0: Radio.com. You're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number five ninety six, Windows Update Crisis with guest Susan Bradley. Recorded Saturday, August fourth, two thousand eighteen. Run As Radio is produced each week by Pwop Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell. Thanks for listening to Run As Radio, bringing back one of my favorite guests today, Susan Bradley, who's been patching since before the Code Red Nimda days and remembers exactly where she was when SQL Slimer hit.
1: I was on eBay trying to buy something.
0: <laughs> yes, you were. Going,
1: why is it so slow tonight? Literally, that's where I was.
0: We cri- the whole internet was crippled that day. It's yes. an amazing thing. So, uh, great to have you back. Uh, I guess I'll do a little explaining. We actually recorded another show, you and I, uh, with uh, Wayne Small talking about Meltdown and Spectre, which I will publish in another month or so because I think it's a great show on its mm-hmm. own. But uh, this. Conversation you have kicked off about Windows Update, I think, takes priority. So I'll let take it away, Susan. What have you been up to?
1: Well, well, trying to move a mountain, trying to tilt at windmills. Um, the month of July occurred, yes, basically. And for anyone who's in charge of patching or who cares a little bit about machines and servers and mixtures of things and hybrid, has probably gone. We're not patching anything in July, or we're patching and being very careful about it, doing a lot of testing.
0: What happened in July that's special? It's supposed to be summertime and everything's easy.
1: I know it's, and maybe that's the problem. Maybe the testing team was out or something. Because Um. I mean, we literally had a a month come out where forty-seven known issues were listed in the in the section, you know, in, in the security bulletin section. To the point where literally I went there one day to, to look at them and I went, my goodness, it's rolling off my screen. Mm. I mean, I have relatively big screens, but I mean, I literally could not see the start and the bottom of the known issues section in the security bulletins. And it was like, come on, guys. And what really started was a couple of months, in fact, about three months ago, I posted out to the, um, you know, the inside of the feedback. App inside of Windows 10 saying, hey guys, we're losing trust in patching. I kept seeing more and more people doing two things. Number one, I kept hearing consultants, admins saying we're turning off Windows 10 updates. We're taking, using third party tools to actually turn it off because we don't know when it's going to reboot on us. And then the second thing I kept hearing over and over again is, is enterprise is saying we're waiting longer, right? We're waiting a week. We're waiting two weeks. We're waiting a month. And it was like, oh gosh, come, come on guys. And when I, myself, cause I write on patches for, for I moved over to askwoody.com. Mm-hmm. And when I tell people, I mean, I'm looking at both the enterprise side and then the consumer side and to both sets of audiences, these devices are their lifeline. They either run their business on devices or in the person, case of the consumer who has just one single device, his other computer is often an iPhone or an Android. Right. And I've always said that the best tool to fix a, a computer messed up by updates is another Windows device that you can go out and Google and see what's the error code. So when I have two sets of audiences and both of them I'm struggling going, I can't tell you to say, go ahead and, and patch because there's forty some odd known issues,
0: and were these all, these forty seven were all security problems? These are all vulnerabilities.
1: It's, when I say issues, these were known side effects. It's not that they were vulnerabilities. Right. We knew the vulnerabilities. These are the, the patches came out, and there were forty seven known side effects. For example, on servers. Uh, if you had a DHCP fallover server, enterprise clients may receive invalid configuration when requesting a new IP address. Some of them were stop errors because of a race condition.
0: These were fixes for those problems or these were caused by these patches?
1: No, this was the security patches in Windows 10, Windows 7, 8.1. Mm-hmm. And there were side effects caused by the security patches. So you're sitting here going, do I install the patch and possibly suffer these side effects? Right. Or do I not install this patch and be attacked by an attacker?
0: And possibly be vulnerable. I mean...
1: And it. it I always say there's a point in time, there's a, there's a scale in my mind in mm-hmm. patches. There's a point in time where when I see the patch and when I understand the patch and I say, hey, what's going to happen with it? When the risk of being attacked by the attacker is greater than the risk of any side effect of the patch, that's when I need to install updates. Right. And July in particular was like, okay, we're in this, I don't know if you can install this yet. Now, granted, many of these were server side, but still there was enough happening on the workstation side that it was like, gosh, man, I can't with good conscience tell somebody to install updates at this time. And I'm still not, I'm like, I'm not comfortable telling you, go ahead. Right. Not without ensuring that you know how to restore your system, restore from a backup, you have a good plan to recover, you have another machine. You know, all these these criteria that normally I go down the list saying, you know, how prepared are you for an issue with updates?
0: Now, the vast majority of these updates from July seem to be some kind of vulnerability they found in the .NET framework.
1: There was a, yes. So .NET was a big, big trigger. And what was really concerning as well was the number of interactions between .NET, the side effects from those .NET up fixes, right. and Microsoft's own products.
0: Who off, Lots of Microsoft products depend on .NET.
1: Exchange, mm-hmm. SQL Server, mm-hmm. BizTalk. And you kind of go, okay, guys, you know, dear Microsoft, shouldn't you test your own machines? Shouldn't you at least have a bare minimum of yes, it works? And in the July updates in particular, there was a a TCP IP uh, fix in there as well. And it's one of the reasons why the SQL service failed occasionally with the error, TCP port is already in use, is it kept almost like fluttering. One gentleman who uh, is more into the the weeds than I am kept talking about, you know, it was like opening and closing all the time and like causing issues. So he's, you know, as he explained it, the minute you stuck it on a machine, you would see that there were side effects. Right. So why wasn't this caught in testing?
0: Yeah, it's it feels very rushed because uh, actually these patches should have taken a long time because you when you start impacting .NET and all of the products that, that even Microsoft uses it depends on .NET. That sounds like a long set of tests. Everybody's got to go back. Did Microsoft the, the Microsoft security team blindside Microsoft here?
1: And and that's where. Our- my letters started out is I know for a fact that in the past they used to have a, a program called the Security Update Validation Program, right. SUVP, and they would go to primarily to enterprises, and they would say, Hey, we're going to give you these updates. We're not going to tell you what's in them. They do cons- c- include security updates that are about to come out, and we're going to give them to you a few weeks early. Mm-hmm. We're going to ask you to put them on machines and test them. Tell us if they're okay. If you give the go ahead, then we'll release them broadly to the to the entire community.
0: Interesting, and they, that program doesn't exist anymore.
1: And and that's my and and I don't think they keep Microsoft keeps saying, "Oh, we have this insider program." Insider program is testing future releases of Windows. Right. It is not focusing on production machines on the security patches we have coming out in two weeks. It is n- is not that specific. It's not that narrowed down. It's future stuff it's redstone 5 and it's whatever they're now calling it quarter what is it 19 quarter 1 quarter 2 something like that something like Pass, that. yeah whatever they naming is now they're focused on features and new items they're not focusing on the .net security patch that just is coming out and we need to make sure it works on machines so my ask to to management was hey guys I know you had this program in the past. I'm not sure if you still have it. I think they do because I saw the other day on the Microsoft job site that they were hiring for it. Enhance that. Get that bigger again. You know, Go back out to your, your key enterprise customers, the ones that have Exchange on-prem, the one that have the BizTalk, and and you know all those ones that clearly failed with this update. Right. SQL Server. SQL's pretty broadly out there. Go to them, put them under an NDA, and say, hey... Tests help us out to get solid updates. And especially in light of the fact that, I mean, they literally posted this after I did my letter just on um, Wednesday, I believe it was. On the Windows 10 IT Pro blog, they wrote a post about Windows 10 update servicing cadence. And they talked about guiding principles in the monthly Windows servicing process. Be simple and predictable. Mm-hmm. Be agile. Be transparent. And underneath Agile, they said, we should also provide you with updates quickly without compromising quality or compatibility. Amen, brother. Mm -hmm. That's what you should be doing. That's what you didn't do in July.
0: Well, and and honestly, we'd rather you went slower and didn't break things.
1: And that's the other layer of my ask to management too that I've got. um, And then that was part of the letter between Three months ago, when I did my my you know help me let's upvote this this um, feedback item, I also did a survey monkey, um survey of about um, over 1,800 consultants, mm-hmm. and I believe it was over 800 consumers. Uh, bottom line was over 2,000 you know people in total, asking them some unscientific questions about patching. And as people will say, hey, you know, it wasn't scientific. You didn't go out to the broader world. I absolutely agree. I went to people that were in charge of updating who cared about updating. So it's not scientific. I just wanted to get this targeted community's feedback to Microsoft. And I asked them, you know, what do you think about updating? Is it meeting your needs? What do you think about the feature update cadence? Is it too slow, too fast? What is it? And, you know, what would you do to make Windows 10 updates better? And I urge people, you talked about the Computer World article, Mm -hmm. please take the time to read that. I hope uh, that Microsoft Management is reading it. People spent, I was amazed at, first off, how many responses I did get. And I left a lot of open-ended questions, and there's a ton of people that wrote a lot of stuff. They spent a lot of time. The average time on that survey was about five minutes, five to six minutes. Somebody took time out of their day to say what they thought. And the big, big feedback item that I got out of there was that the feature updates cadence was too fast. Right. Twice a year is just killing us.
0: Well, you know, the cadence wasn't supposed to be a problem because it was just going to auto install and always work.
1: And it's, it's first off, those feature updates take a while to install. Yes. Secondly, is they've had a nasty habit and they still haven't gotten it right because I just recently got went through this on my 1803s. Mm-hmm. They still haven't gotten it right where they don't mess with anything. They reset things. Right. Um, They, in my own case, just recently, it's like, come on, guys. I've, I've, you know, done this feedback like three times. Uh, We have a gentleman in the office who, um, like we all should, um, that puts numbers in their their, uh, password. Right. I, and I went, really, I didn't realize I did this. When I'm putting my password in, I do it on the keys above the letter keys. Right. He does it on the keypad on the right-hand side. He's okay. an accountant. He's used to 10 key. So he uses the num lock key on the on the right-hand side. How many times now? So we're, what, fourth release?
0: Something fourth like that, feature yeah.
1: Release? Something like that. I've lost track. Every single time it resets the number lock so it's not on when he turns on the machine. And every single time. Now, this time I'm like, okay, fine. I'm giving up. I'm now putting a group policy up on the server making sure that that registry key in, is in place. But now three times they promise that, hey, next time we're going to make it better, we're going to make sure that we don't reset your your you know settings. And it's like, come on, guys. You know, this is annoying.
0: And it's a productivity hit. But I think the biggest issue is the trust. That just yes. smacks us over and over again with the trust hit that makes us think we can't allow them to update. We have to check because they're not doing the thing they said they were going to do. Exactly. So uh and I'm looking at the survey data and it's uh, pretty negative. It is. People people are not very happy. And I, and I'm part of me is like well, well they definitely changed it but they went to this new process 3 years ago and sure we're going to we're, we're going to be resentful for the first year but after 3 years if it worked we'd be using it I I would think like why are we still this frustrated?
1: And I part of it is is for 3 years they keep changing it. I mean you can look back at the history of the windows update for business, mm-hmm. the dual scan you can. And even now they've just announced um, just the other day that they realized that they're, they're rebooting our systems spontaneously when we don't want it. Yep. And so they're going to use a new algorithm um, that in their own words is promising. And it's like, I'm, I'm groaning going, Oh guys, man, you got to nail this. You mm-hmm. cannot <laughs> be just promising. Um, and they realize themselves that, they haven't yet gotten this right. And this is back in the window. I'm going to give a little history here. Back in the Windows 7 era, there was a gentleman who was uh, involved in the Windows update. And he reached out to me one day because even then I was having it, you know, telling guys, you got to get this better. And he said, you know, Windows update process is obviously it. this is really hard. This is really hard um, coding. This is really hard. And then in particular, it's really hard because different people want different things.
0: Of course, yes.
1: You know, you may only want updating at a certain small little window of time. My dad is like, oh, I don't care. Do it during the day.
0: Right. Machines that are only used in the house in the evening versus machines that are not used in the evening because they're at the office, like all of those problems.
1: So I understand why they changed from the Windows 7 technologies where, you know, nobody rebooted. I mean, you'd go into to systems where, okay, guys, that little yellow... You know, Please reboot has been up there for weeks and months and you're not doing anything right. to the 10. So I, I understand the process. I actually, pref- now people are going to go, really? I prefer the 10 for one major reason. The 10 cumulative process means that we no longer have the long scanning time pro- problem. You remember what back in Windows 7, where it, it got to toward the end of its life, I shouldn't say it is toward the the end of his life. It got to uh, quite a ways after Service Pack 1. Right. And because all of those deltas and and update history wasn't reset, if you were standing up either a new machine or had a machine that hadn't been online for a while, and you went to go scan for updates, you would basically...
0: Yeah, it just went away.
1: (laughs) You might as well just go to dinner, come back. Have vacations, take a few days, you know, come back and you, it might be done. Right. And it was the problem of the scanning for all of the, the, um, you know, the hierarchy of which patch goes where. So the cumulative update model gets rid of that process. Right. So I, I approve that process. I approve the feature release process with one caveat. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be twice a year. Even in my own small firm, doing it twice a year, because I'm trying to work around people's time frame, I'm trying to make sure it doesn't reset things, to me, it's it's a little service pack. Right. That every six months, I have to dis- determine when's a good time to fit it in with my other servicing.
0: It's just too frequent then.
1: Yeah. It, slow it down, guys. Right. Once a year. Once a year, that
0: would be fine. Susan, I need to interrupt you for just a moment for this very important message. You've got Windows, Windows 7 and Windows 10. They're domain-joined and non-domain-joined. They're on-premises and always on the go. And it's your job to make them more secure. But stay calm. That's why you've got Policypack. Policypack increases your Windows security with your on-premises and roaming PCs. Remove local admin rights, manage all the security settings in your browsers and Java, and tame the Windows 10 start screen and taskbar. Got machines out in the field without the latest group policy settings? Then use Policypack Cloud or your own MDM service to deploy real group policy settings to those machines, only with Policypack. Get your free trial today and learn a secret weapon that hundreds of administrators use to manage and secure their Windows 7 and 10 desktops, both on-premises and out in the field. Head over to Policypack.com to get started today. Policypack, securing your standards. And we're back, Richard Campbell, Susan Bradley. We're talking about this open letter uh, to the Windows folks about update and all of the challenges around this particular uh, set of problems. Are they m- mixing service you know, security fixes and other features here? Or are we getting updates we don't really need that are causing problems?
1: Well, they've in the cumulative update process. If mm-hmm. you if you look at ten versus seven. Uh, and even seven these days is cumulative. Let's go back to historical seven. Right. Once upon a time in historical seven, you get individual updates, and you'd get the time. No disrespect intended for for Turkey, Morocco, or anyone else, any other listeners in that in those areas. Right. But but you'd get time change uh, for like these weird countries that you'd go. I don't have anybody I interact with that. Why do I need that update? Right. And Every update that comes to your system has a potential, either small or large, to disrupt something. Sure. Every update may or may not reboot the system. So you want to do two things. You want to minimize disruption and you want to minimize rebooting. When Microsoft wasn't doing the single second Tuesday turn to Redmond, you know, everything's going to be installed today and let's reboot. When they installed, would insert things at the end of the month because they have this, and let me back up a little bit. They have this cadence process, they call it. There's the first week of the month of patching. And that's always going to be office non-security non-365. If you are a, uh, what's called a VL volume license office person, you still have office on, on what's called MSI Mm -hmm. and you get individual updates. Um, until 2019 when we're all going to be on click to run sure we are so so first week of of the month is the non security for office second week of the month is the big the big week and on that second tuesday we're going to get security updates for both office and windows and currently in the current model in windows 10 we get we don't get feature updates but we can get like bug fixes for things that they've broken in the past right um i mean and you look at some of these things that's what kind of is like interesting if not a little bit scary if you actually read the release notes for the windows 10 every single release they keep patching some bugs for things that you're going, really? It's taken this long to fix that? You know, and some of the things are like, wow, you know.
0: But this is also the back and forth, right? It's like, yeah, that's a, seems like a fix that should have been done ages ago, but they have taken time to make sure it doesn't break things. True. You know, I'd, I'd rather have patches come in late, especially when we don't have known exploits. You know, unless there's well, an and, exploit in the wild. Listen,
1: to be fair, th- what I'm talking about, these fixes that they're putting in there are not, they're not fixing for security, right. they're fixing for bug things. For bug so things, it's, yeah. so it's something in the, something they introduce in a certain feature release. And all of a sudden it's coming up that, Oh, enough people have identified it. They've uh, fixed it. And so now the, it, and it's a non-security item being fixed. Right. So like, for example, I'll give an example. There's um, mm-hmm. addresses an issue that causes devices with an active directory or hybrid domains to an unexpectedly unenroll from Microsoft Intune. If you had Intune and you had devices and they would automatically or you know spontaneously unroll, you'd be, you'd be kind of going, why is that doing that? So it's a good thing that they're fixing it.
0: Yes. But if you're not using Intune or you didn't have this problem.
1: I mean, a lot of the things in here, if you look for the consumer side, you're going to look at this and going, that doesn't pertain to me. Why right. do I need that fix? Yeah. But if you're an enterprise that needs that fix, you're going to be going, why did it take them so long to fix this?
0: Which, you know, the the classic trap for Microsoft. I'm also thinking back to when Win10 and the new update system first came along. And one of the things they said, you know, Microsoft said was, we're trying to get to a consistent version of Windows because it's Uh so hard for us to help you when it's, we cannot figure out what version you've got, whether you've applied this hot fix or not applied that hot fix.
1: I'm going to be a little bit of a anti on that. Okay. So th- okay. that was the reasoning. Yep. Valid reasoning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What do we have now? We have Windows 10, 1607, 1703, 1709, 1803. Right. We have four versions of Windows we are supporting at any point in time.
0: Although they are in a straight line, right? Like one does apply to the other. This is not like the old days of the weird hotfixes that you'd only get if you had that problem.
1: But I have to ask people, when somebody says, I'm having an issue with Windows 10, I first have to say, what version are you on? Right. When someone says... I just got an update that did this and they explain the scenario. I go, Hmm, I don't think that was an update. I think you grabbed the feature release because nobody, no one's getting the feature releases at exactly the same time anymore.
0: Right. Then now we so, get into the other side of this, which is Microsoft beta testing on their customers by slipping updates out with new features and seeing how they behave to a subset of the customer base.
1: And that's, I mean, that's what happened is happening on the feature release. They use, both artificial intelligence on the backside as well as telemetry that says, you know, and and they just announced this the other day, um, and I forget the percentage, apologies for that. This is the fastest percent uh, acceptance of the feature release this time. Okay. Now, granted, I believe my take on that based on, you know, again, non-scientific discussing with other people, there's too many enterprises out there that are not on 1803. And I believe their numbers are only on the consumer side. And on the consumer side, I believe they did push the 1803 out a bit. Mm-hmm. And let me bring up another side effect of the 1803 feature release. Um, the issue with Surface devices. To me, Surface device should have the best optimal updating process hands down. Mm-hmm. That's That's Microsoft's hardware. Yes. Microsoft software, they control the entire ecosystem. Yet when 1803 first came out, we had side effects with SSDs, and they actually had to do a block. And in my personal opinion, they should have had the block there if they knew from the get-go that 1803 was going to cause issues with SSD drives on Surface devices no Surface device should have ever seen that 1803 until it was ready to go for those devices.
0: Yeah, it seems crazy to me that, that in, in that scenario, that you've got so much control. Well, wouldn't you test this stuff first? Wouldn't you test yes. the the people that bought your hardware, make sure that one works the best? Is this just simply a testing failure?
1: I I think it's combination testing and communication. I think it's it's... The surface division is in one spot over here. The servicing department is one another department over here. And I don't think the message is getting between the departments.
0: Well, and I wonder if the reorganization in April, which was literally last week's show, of talking to Paul Therot about it, isn't going to positively impact all of this. That They're actually reorganizing for exactly these kinds of issues.
1: And I hope it does, which is one of the reasons why, you know, I, the people on the, the email that I sent it to,
0: mm-hmm.
1: knowing that this is going to cause... Issues with Azure. I mean, for two reasons. Number one, think about it. This code is up in Azure. Right. They're patching their own stuff up there. Yes. So I cannot imagine that there isn't an Azure engineer up there screaming his little bloody head off, going, "How dare you make me screw up my SQL instances up here in Azure?" Mm-hmm. So I, I trust in in the knowledge that there's probably somebody just as upset. Inside Microsoft as I am outside of Microsoft, so that's my first thing. And then the second thing is you can see it within the interaction of the the Windows 10 VMs. So let me give you another example of the, of the problems of this cadence is having. Um, so if you go out to the Azure Marketplace and you install a Windows 10 virtual machine, mm-hmm. or even a server virtual machine, it's actually several months out of date. It's actually the last time I checked a few weeks ago. If I install, like, like the first week in, in, uh, or excuse me, end of July, if I went to install a Windows 10 virtual machine, the, the image that I got was in as of May, and it was like, uh, guys, isn't that a indication yourself, you yourself are waiting and holding back on on images up on Azure because you know that there's side effects with updates. You don't want to push them out too fast. The other thing that caused issues is if you had a virtual machine, this was back in the March through June Mm timeframe. You remember when that, there was an uh, RDP patch that came out and they phased it in over time because they knew it was going to cause issues. So the very first month they didn't enforce it, and by the time you got to June, they enforced it so that if you were on a patched machine trying to remote into an unpatched machine, it bailed out and gave you a cred SSD error. Nice. To the to the point where they actually had to write up a KB article that says, "Hey, by the way, if you're trying to go into newly installed Azure 10, you know, Windows 10 virtual machines, you need to do this workaround to get up there." So, I mean, clearly. The fact that we've got this mismatch patching is causing issues in your own Azure infrastructure. So in my perfect world, we'd be able to install virtual machines on Azure that would have exactly today's updates. If I went up there today to install a Windows 10, it would have July's updates. Right. And I wouldn't blink an eye. I wouldn't scream bloody murder. I'd say, yeah. That's the way it should be.
0: But And it's also a great statement, right? It's like Microsoft trusts their own stuff enough. And the, the more salient point being, we have clear evidence that they don't. So why right. are they pushing it on the consumer?
1: Right. And why are they making it so hard for the enterprise? We're putting the enterprises in a very awkward position because many of these companies are mandated and regulated to install updates within right. a certain time frame. Yes. If you are, Anywhere near credit cards, you have a 30-day window that you better get those updates on otherwise I'm sorry you're out of compliance.
0: Well, but you might but you may put them on and put yourself out of business because you're no longer functioning. Exactly. So, I mean, I'm going to push back on the twice a year updates. If they didn't break things, it wouldn't be a big deal. If they didn't trash people's configurations, it wouldn't be a big deal. Like I don't mind going fast as long as you stop breaking stuff and as long as you are slow down. Right. So you put out the original letter published on the computer world, July 30th and they, you did get a response from them.
1: Yes. And no, (laughs)
0: um,
1: I got a response that I wasn't exactly expecting. I didn't get any response from the three gentlemen that I sent the email to. Mm -hmm. I actually got a a email back saying, thank you for contacting Microsoft. We've opened a case. And I'm at first I looked at that and went, I didn't open a case.
0: You didn't go to PSS. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's like, okay, what's going on? And then I, you know, in this day and age of phishing attacks, I went, is this real? Right. And I hovered over the links and went, yeah, that's an official, you know, looked at the headers and went, yeah, that's official Microsoft. Okay. That somebody must have opened up a case. It's like, okay. So then about 24 hours later, I get the, what is the official response back? And it was also a bit Disappointing. I clearly got a message from someone in charge of handling me. Right. And uh, he indicated that the letter had been forwarded to a team better equipped to handle the concerns. And then the disappointing part was he went on to basically explain Windows 10 updating process to me. (laughs) And it was like, dear, sweetie. And then he finished it off by saying, oh, by the way, we have this, this, you know, feedback process, which, you know, next time put your feedback here. Right. And I was like, dear, I put it there three months ago. Yeah. I got 300 people. Mind you, 300 people from the insider program, because that's another thing about their feedback program. If you're an insider person and you ask people to upvote your, your, your feedback. Right. Non-insider people can't see your feedback item.
0: Uh, interesting.
1: So it's like, okay guys, you need something that everybody can vote on something, not just those people in one bucket or the other.
0: Right. Now, Susan, you're an MVP mm-hmm. and MVPs have certain, you know, access into side of Microsoft as well. Would going through those channels have done anything or did you try?
1: I've tried in the past and as you can see, I mean, starting in January, and I, I actually pointed back to the Spectre and Meltdown updates. Mm-hmm. Granted, we've had, we've had issues with, with Windows update and communication for a long time. But starting in about January, I think it really went on a big slide downhill because of the, the actual errors in some of the KBs, uh, in some of the security bulletins. It was concerning then, and I started, you know, reaching out to people saying, hey, guys, we need better communication. Right. And unfortunately, in the change from several years ago, um, there isn't the exposure into the security team as there used to be. So trying to get feedback to Microsoft, you get a lot of, hey, put that in. That's a really good item. Go ahead and put that in the feedback hub and right. get it upvoted.
0: So the the, and it's
1: like, the private
0: uh, channel aspect is sort of gone. You're just another insider, another feedback hub. Right. You know, the, the sort of opportunity to poke them and say, you know, before I yell this out loud and everybody gets agitated, because they're going to, uh, do you want to take a look at this first? And it seems like those channels have been closed off more and more. Right. So, and I I will include a link to your your blog posts, you know, sort of the response back again. Uh, I I remember going through this with opening a a work, a a service ticket over a particular feature that I was writing about in a magazine and I kept getting pulled out of service and into PR because, of course, I was writing an article and they wanted to handle you that way. So it's, it's interesting to see you sort of in this same situation where it's awfully condescending, Some of the stuff they said here, you know, that, you know, how you do updates for, for windows. It's like, I'm pretty sure I know how. And if you'd actually read my stuff, you would have seen that I know how. And
1: when I write to, when I get to the point where I'm writing to management and I've done it a couple of times, I always abide by the rules that, that in fact, this is an ex Microsoft employee gave to me. Don't just complain about something. Give them actionable items. Yes. And so it's like, I'm not, you know, here, I understand this. I know, you know, this is a problem. Yeah. I know hands down, you got to get this right because your enterprises are screaming just as loudly as I am. They're just probably doing it to somebody with a VP behind their name. Yeah. I don't have that ability. I don't know the, the, you know, org chart. So I'm going to go to the top. I know, you know, this is a problem. And. So for and in fact the blog post that they did in fact right around this time frame it was interesting that came out exactly the guiding principles they talk about absolutely hands down do that the problem is you're not doing that mm. you're not simple and predictable you're not being agile without compromising quality or compatibility and you're not being transparent right so do what your blog post says and we will be happy happier Happier.
0: I'd still prefer a patch that just worked, you know.
1: And I mean, th- we have to, again, it gets back to Azure. The problem is going to get harder, not easier. Mm-hmm. Cloud patching is one of the hardest things to do because guess what? You don't have a test bed. Yeah. Want to? You know, how would you like to be in charge of patching the entire server farm, farm for Azure? I wouldn't want to be.
0: Nope. That's pretty scary. And they, for the most part, they seem to be pulling it off. But we have a few notable incidences. Where they can take down the cloud if they do it wrong. Right. Well, it's early August. So all of this has happened literally in a period of a couple of weeks. And we're, uh, I think there's still more to come. So I have, uh, I appreciate you coming back on the show. If you folks haven't heard the Meltdown Spectre show, I'm going to release that, like I said, in September. because I think it's still very valuable. I really pr- appreciated your insight and Wayne's. But thanks so much for jumping quickly onto this. And I and I appreciate you. Uh, Taking it on the chin for us all to really voice these problems with Windows Update.
1: And if I could ask the audience, if you do, especially for those of you in enterprises where I know you have a technical account manager, talk to them. Let them know your ideas and your feedback. And again, you know, the best way to approach it is don't just complain. Complain with ideas. Mm-hmm. So say, hey, you know, what about this? What if we help you do this? What if we get involved here? Um, have actions, not just complaints, but please give feedback. If you see something in, a, in, a, um, in one of the feedback items, vote it up. If you see a post out on a blog, put a message at the bottom so that, that people see how others feel about it too. If you see something on Twitter, retweet it you know, be vocal and be, you know, tell people that you agree, you know, and here's your ideas and how we should make it better because we have to make it better. We cannot go where people are waiting 30 days to install patches. We need to get back to where we're so confident in our updates that we say, sure, I see that little button that says restart, do it.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Susan, thank you so much for coming on to talk about this. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio.